to everyone. Welcome on this first Thursday night of the of the new year. Amen. And um, if you're watching us online, we welcome you as a part as well. You can just remain seated. I'm going to start off um, this way this evening. I want to I want to kind of pick up a little bit. I'm not going to dwell on it very long, but I, I want to pick up a little bit on from the last Thursday night that I taught before um, before Christmas and used Mount Everest and some things from that. And uh, one one of the things that um, I shared that Thursday night, um, talking about some of the challenges and the preparation and some things that can help uh, with the the potential of climbing the mountain being a success was the outcome of the expedition will be determined by three broad groups of factors. The first is environmental, weather and snow conditions. The second is the logistical approach taken by the expedition leaders and the strategies employed to embark on a summit bid And the third is your own preparation in the years prior to the expedition and how you perform while the expedition is underway. There's something that's been just kind of churning in my spirit for a while now. Really, I've touched on it a number of times in minister's training class, and I've touched on it in services and and uh it it just it's just kind of been in the back of my mind for a while but that that's sort of this idea how, how many of you um how many of you be- believe let me let me this is a couple of part question here how many of you believe you're called and maybe for some of you you believe God's called you Maybe you don't know exactly what that calling is yet. Maybe you haven't stepped into a particular role of ministry yet, but, but you believe God has called you. Uh, and, of course, the bottom line is if you got the Holy Ghost, God has called you to something. We're not all called to the same thing. We're not all called to the same role or the same ministry. But if you've got the Holy Ghost, that's the guarantee you have a calling. So, so maybe some of you, maybe that's where you are. You're, you're not quite sure what it is yet, but, but you believe it. Or, and, and I would venture to say this is that the larger percentage here tonight would kind of fit this, that, that you, you, you know you're called and perhaps you've been, you've been involved in ministry and, 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 but you believe that there, there's still more. And, and by more, I don't necessarily mean more in the context of a, you know, a higher, a, 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 a more important title or position, but, but there's more to what God has for you and, and what God wants to do through you. How many of you tonight, you, you believe that? You feel that way? Any of you here tonight, you've arrived, you're content, you're good? You're, if, if where you're at is it, that's okay? Okay. Hopefully... I mean, you, you, you read some of the things the Apostle Paul said, and, 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 and you don't find a point at which Paul just put it on cruise control. There, there's not a place that Paul arrived at where he felt like, I've arrived. 
I, I think you find throughout his epistles, you hear this hunger and desire to always keep growing and maturing. And, and, and Peter challenges us to grow in grace and in the knowledge of, of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We, we understand that naturally speaking, we stop growing at least vertically. Fortunately, we don't always stop growing horizontally. We, 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 we understand that, that there's only a, there, you, you, your, your stature is only going to reach a, a certain size, a God-determined size. I don't know about you, but for a long time I really wasn't happy with God about my God-determined size because I wanted at least a couple of more inches to that. But, but, you know, it just, Jesus says, who, who by thinking about it can add to his stature? Funny thing is, when you really study that out, it's actually not really talking about height. It's talking about time, actually. But anyway, I promise you, if you could add to your height by thinking about it, I would be a living testimony to that. <laughs> I've said it before, but I was still holding out that in my mid-20s, I was going to get my growth spurt. Being serious, unfortunately, I wish I was joking. But, but, but spiritually, it's not that way. There is no cap on your spiritual growth. There is no predetermined stature that you have. That God says, this is how tall you're supposed to get and that's it. Spiritually speaking, you should continue to grow. But, but part, of, part of the thing that has been kind of churning in me, and, and, and to be very transparent, I've, and I've said it in so many words in several settings, but I'm getting more and more weary of, is that it's one thing to talk about your calling. It's one thing to profess your called to whatever it is. But, but, but what is, what, if, if we were going based on your actions... What would we conclude about how serious you are about your calling? Because if you're not doing something to prepare, and, and, and where I'll get to in just a moment is a part of what I feel here tonight is, if, if you're not doing something beyond the norm to grow and develop and prepare for your calling, you don't get there by accident. The third Component to the potential success of climbing Everest is your own preparation in the years prior to the expedition and how you perform while the expedition is underway. The years. Again, I don't want to repeat a bunch of stuff, but when I talked about this a couple of weeks ago, I talked about Old Rag Mountain down in Shenandoah National Park. And there have been a couple of times in my life, two times in particular, where we'd done day trips, gotten in the car, driven down there, climbed Old Rag Mountain, and came home. Good percentage of the group was out of shape, didn't, regular, didn't exercise regularly, but they made it. Paid for it for several days afterward. But the last time we did it, about, I think, seven, eight years ago, a group of us piled in a van, went down there. It took us, I think it was about a six, seven-hour trip up and back down. 
There's some mountains you can climb in a day. There's some mountains you can climb without preparation. But, but, but if, if you're going to reach the calling, if you're, if you're going to reach the pinnacle of what God has for you, there's, there's preparation that has to go into that. You don't just wake up one day and all of a sudden you, you, you step into it. And it, it's on you. I, I love the, the way, again, I go back, if you missed a couple of Thursday nights ago, I, I got into it a little bit more. I'm trying not to get bogged down right now. But I, I love these three things here, the correlation, because the, 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 the atmosphere, the weather, the, the conditions, and, and, and we have an atmosphere. I believe we have an atmosphere at Antioch, and an atmosphere at Antioch Central that is a climate that is conducive to you fulfilling your calling. There, there, there's, 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 uh, there's, there's guides, there's, there's mentors, there's, there's people that can and do and will pour into you to help you so that the conditions are, they're, they're, they're right. And, and there are the, there's, the, there's the guides, the leaders. That third part is, 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 is really one of the most critical parts of all of this. Because if you have all of those other, if you got the other two things, if, if we got the atmosphere and the climate, if we've got the spiritual environment that is a place where you can grow and, and you've got the people that are willing to pour into others and, and disciple and train and equip, but, but, but if somebody's not willing to put in the work, have you ever noticed in, in the book of James where it talks about being hearers of the word? And not just being hearers, but being doers. There's, there's one part in there where it talks about being hearers of the word and doers of the work. Exactly. <laughs> this is not about earning something. This is not about earning your salvation. But, but it's about preparation. It's about positioning ourselves in, in the best possible way for God to be able to use us. Some of the dangers of climbing Mount Everest, one of the big ones is altitude sickness. Acute mountain sickness is one of the most challenging aspects of any high altitude peak climbing adventure. It is quite evident in the, in the Mount Everest expedition as well. Climbers get affected as there is less oxygen and air pressure in the atmosphere. After a certain point, most climbers will require supplementary oxygen to move Ahead on the route. Therefore, climbers will acclimatize for a long duration in the base camp and above. Everest climbers can face life-threatening health risks of altitude sickness if not treated in time. There are various camps. Notice this. There are various camps en route to Everest summit where you will adapt to conditions for a long duration of time. As I said several weeks ago, it is a several-month process from start to finish to climb Everest. And there are, there are several places along the way where you stop and camp for a while so that your body can adjust more to the, the changing circumstances, the higher altitude, the less oxygen. I got a question. How many of you on any given day 
think twice about your need for oxygen. Unless you have some, my grandfather spent years, my dad's dad spent years having to pull around an oxygen canister. But you know what? We, we, don't, we don't think on a daily basis. We, we don't sit around worrying about whether or not we're getting enough oxygen. Because when we live at, at basically the, 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 the normal level, there's plenty of oxygen. We, we, don't, we don't sit and worry about the need to get in shape if all we're going to do is just live in the valley. If you're content to just live at the level you're at, you don't have to worry about years of preparation and physical training to get ready to be able to climb the mountain. But if you're not content to live in the valley, it's going to take some effort. And the higher God begins to take you, the less oxygen there is. And the more intentional you've got to get about your breathing. If all you're trying to do is just make it to heaven, you can get by on a little bit of spiritual air every day that's just around you. But if you're interested in climbing some of the peaks that God has called you to, there's some things that as you begin to climb, you've got to start worrying about that you don't have to worry about in the valley. Said it before and touched on it before, but Paul talks about that, that there's going to be a day in which our works are going to be tried by fire. Everybody's works are going to be tried by fire. And those that have built with, with uh, gold, silver, and precious stone, what you built and what you built with is able to survive the fire because fire does not destroy those things. It only purifies them. But wood, hay, and stubble are consumed by the fire. And so if you've built on the least expensive way possible, if you've tried to build a walk with God and a ministry on wood, hay, and stubble because it's cheap and easy, the fire is going to consume it. The good news is, Paul says, you're going to be saved. You, you, you do understand that, that this life is the second womb. It's kind of amazing how we all totally get the idea that the first nine months or so that are spent in a mother's womb, that is simply preparation. That is, that is the opportunity to grow and develop so that when you, when you get out of the womb, you're now ready to live. How sad is it that so many people view this as the destination this is only the second womb for, the, for eternal life. And there, there's stuff that kind of, I, I, personally, it's, to me, it's the same thing as I said recently about end times and Bible prophecy. There's things about heaven that we don't, we have no clue. There's a few things that are said in Scripture and, you know, and, and, and then we, you know, we, we, we sing songs about it and we, well, I'm going to have a mansion and all this stuff. And I mean, I, 
I know the Bible talks about ruling and reigning and, 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 and some things that it gives us a glimpse of eternity. You do understand God's watching you. To see where he can trust you then. Because this, this is just the preparation for eternal life. And no, we're not sitting around strumming harps all the time on a cloud. <laughs> if all you're trying to do is get to heaven, then there's enough oxygen by showing up to church and having a little bit of devotion here and there in your life. You're, you're, you're probably going to be saved. This is Thursday night. And I'm not, I, I don't come Thursday nights with the mindset that people are showing up that are just looking to get by on the minimum. No offense, there may be a few other services that people will only come to those. And, but, but, but you're not here tonight just because you're looking to get by on the minimum. You're here because you've got a hunger and desire. And, and I know somebody, well, we have to be here because we're in leadership. That's not why you're here. I, I believe more of you than that. <laughs> I believe you're here because there's a hunger and a desire that says, I'm not interested in just trying to get to heaven. I, 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 there, there's something more. God has more. I want more. But it doesn't happen by accident. You don't wake up one day and all of it, you know, again, I, I, this is, I'm not trying to pick on you, but this is the one I keep using here. We, we've, the last several years, well, there's, there's a bunch of you. I'm, I'm called to be a church planner. Woo-hoo. Okay, so what are you doing? We know somebody to train me. Well, it, there's, a, there's a role for others to train you. But there's also some places your hunger and desire can take you. That if there's a lack of others to equip you, God knows how to equip you. If you're pursuing Him enough with enough hunger and desire and passion, that's not up to somebody else. You see, you, 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 you probably can get to heaven, and I mean in, the, in, the, in a positive spiritual context of what I'm about to say. You probably can make it to heaven. You probably can be saved just doing what all the other, other saints do. You're not going to fulfill your calling if your level of devotion, and commitment, and dedication, and your prayer, and your fasting, and your digging into the Word of God. If that is just simply, you just simply do what everybody else does. You may get to heaven, but you, you're building with wood, hay, and stubble. I, I know I've touched on this in various ways, I'll, I'll try to sound a little more sophisticated with it tonight, but the, the, the law of entropy basically states that anything left alone tends toward disorder. The effort and the work that goes into maintaining something Anybody besides me walk through pretty much every room in your house and on a regular basis or where you live, walk through and oh man, I, I need to that needs that needs a fresh coat of paint. That needs a oh my goodness, that that that, that wall right there needs there there's a there's a light switch in our dining room that the, the right in, it it it's, it it needs to be patched. 
Can you believe that every time I walk in there, it just hasn't suddenly fixed itself? There's a couple of spots on our roof from some of the work we've done in this, on the, in the ceiling inside the house. That, that, you know, a couple of them where I, I went up there months ago and spackled them, had some patching that needs to be done like five, six months ago. Guess what? I, 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 I'm not looking up there and all of a sudden, ah, yes, it's now. That's not the way things go. I know I've probably overused this one, but I'll use it again tonight and probably keep it using it in the future. Just just take three or four, if you, if you have a place with a yard, just take three or four months and do nothing to your yard. Everything left to itself tends to disorder. You do not, you do not fulfill your calling by default. You do not happen to end up stepping into your calling. You, 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 you got to reach for it. You got to strive for it. You, I, I know some of us don't like this term in a spiritual context, but in the proper context, I think it's the right term. You got to work for it. Not, again, I don't mean work to earn it, but, but you've got to put some effort in. You, you've, got to, you've got to discipline. You've got to train. You, you, you've, you've got to do the things that are necessary to prepare you. How many of you want to get to, this, to the end of 2024 and be able to look back on 2024 and go, man, I... I, in a good way, I am not the same person I was on January, whatever today is. My, wow, my walk with God is not the same. It's gone deeper and, and, and my, my understanding of God has expanded. It's grown. I, I've seen things on my own, not just what I've heard preached or taught, but I've seen things on my own I've never seen before. And, and, and I've, I've experienced more fruit in ministry. How, how many of you wanted that to be that way at the end of 2024? Do nothing. And guess what we'll be doing at December 31st? Boy, another year. Why? Why? Because I sat looked at Everest, but I didn't do the preparation. I, I didn't put in the effort. And, and your flesh and my flesh does not tend to lean toward becoming more spiritual. I said it. I guess it was Sunday, I think maybe it was, I think it was Sunday night, New Year's Eve. I, I got two goals every, every holiday season. And by that I mean basically Thanksgiving to, to New Year's. <laughs> I, got, I got two goals every year. One is not to lose my spiritual focus. And two is not to gain weight. I'm very sad to tell you that I have failed again this year. Both of those. I, 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 didn't, I didn't go out and commit adultery in December. I didn't cuss anybody out. I didn't cheat. I didn't steal. I, I, I didn't do, to my knowledge, I don't think I did any sins of commission. There's some things I failed to do the way I should have done them. I, I, let, my, I let my prayer time slip off some. I, I let my spiritual focus slip off some. That, that's what happens by default. 
I'm afraid sometimes we look around in our midst at some people we see God use and we see God use in powerful ways and, and all you have a tendency to see is God using them. You don't see the time and effort and, and work that they have put in to prepare to climb the mountain. You don't see the hours all by themselves that they have spent in prayer, just them and God. Not because not there was a prayer meeting call, not, not because there was a good altar call, but because it's their personal pursuit. Proverbs, Proverbs 18 and 1, this is, this is again, I, I try to be transparent and upfront and forthcoming and a lot of different ways. This verse is really an interesting verse to me because pretty much every other translation, well, let me not every other in the sense of all, most other translations, when you read most other translations of this verse, they say this verse in a negative way. But the King James says it in a in, in, as a positive thing, and, and I, I personally believe that, that that positive way of taking this verse is the way you are supposed to take it. And so Proverbs 18 and 1 says, Through desire a man having separated himself seeketh and intermeddleth with all wisdom. Got a question. Do you have enough hunger and desire for where you want to go in God, that it causes you to separate yourself from some things. Maybe it even causes you to separate yourself from some people. Do you have that level of hunger and desire? A man... Through his desire, he he separates himself so that he can engage in those things that are going to help him get to where he's trying to go, where he desires to go. Adam Clark says this, The nearest translation to the words is perhaps the following, He who is separated shall seek the desired thing, the object of his desire." and shall intermeddle, mingle himself with all realities or all essential knowledge. He finds that he can make little progress in the investigation of divine and natural things if he have much to do with secular or trifling matters. He therefore separates himself as well from unprofitable pursuits as from frivolous company and then enters into the spirit of, the, of his pursuit, is not satisfied with superficial observances, but examines the substance and essence as far as possible of those things which have been the objects of his desire. This appears to me the best meaning the reader may judge for him. A man desiring, I want to climb Everest, decides to do the things that are necessary to get there. 
It was a song by a group that used to be, they used to be uh, part of the UPC. They're not anymore. The group doesn't exist anymore either. But probably back in the mid to late 80s, early 90s, somewhere in there. They, they had a song, and, and, and part of that song said, If I could save myself with good intentions, I'd already have it made. Boy, is that not... If good intentions was enough. If good intentions was enough, think about where all of us would be right now. I, mean, I, I just I don't mean to harp on this, but it's a safe one. And yeah, it's also really bothering me right now. So it's just my little bit of therapy. If I could be in shape, Brother Bard, just through good intentions, I'd be physically fit because I got a lot of good intentions. I actually started my day off Tuesday with a smoothie, and I took my my jug of water. I had really good intentions. Rest of the day didn't go too well. Of course, then the other problem is my wife and I are going out of town for a couple of days. So what's the point in getting all down to business with losing a little bit of weight for five days? I don't know, but vacation's miserable on a diet. I mean, life's miserable on a diet, but vacations. <laughs> it's, it's more, it's got to be more than your intention. It's got to be more than, I'm not trying to be unkind to anybody tonight. And, 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 and I'm just trying to make a point, but oh my goodness, in my years of pastoring, well, I've, heard, I've heard some people that man, they sit, brother Bray. They say some really good stuff. Oh, pastor, this is what I know. God's called, and I've got. How many of you? This is not a trick question. But how many of you believe you have some promises from God with regards to 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 your purpose, your calling, and ministry? How many of you believe you've got some promises from God about what He's going to do through your life, and He hasn't done those things? Anybody? You do understand, you do understand that a promise from God that, that your response is not to get your glass of sweet tea or whatever else your drink of choice is and to sit back in your most comfortable chair. Well, I'm just going to wait and watch God do it. No, 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 no. That's not the way a promise from God works. A promise from God does not exempt you from doing your part. The promise is to guarantee that if you will do your part, here's what God's going to do. It, it's a, there's a difference between what you initiate and what God initiates. Those lepers sitting outside the city, the famine's going on inside, they're dying of leprosy, and they say, you know what, if, if we go in the city, there's nothing to eat in there, we'll die. If we go down to the enemy's camp, the worst thing that happens is they kill us. We die. We die quicker probably that way. They, they didn't, they didn't, God didn't speak to one of those lepers. Thus saith the Lord unto you, my child. Get up and go to the enemy's camp and I, the Lord, will meet you there and bring about great deliverance. No. 
They said, you know what, let's just see what might happen. We don't know, let's go. By the time they get there, God had moved. and There's a difference between that, <laughs> hoping for something, versus you know. I, I just heard this said recently, and, I, and, and the people I've heard say it, I have a lot of respect for, and I consider them to be greater men of God than I am. But, but I've heard it said that faith is spelled R-I-S-K. I don't agree with that. The only way faith is spelled R-I-S-K is that you are initiating and operating on your wishes and desires. But if faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes from a word of God, and therefore you are acting on a word from God, where's the risk in that? Oh, there's uncertainty in how it's going to come about. There, there's uncertainty in the way it's going to unfold. But it's not about risk. It's just about waiting to see, okay, how's God going to provide? How, how's God going to make a way when there's no way? But that's not a risk. There's no risk in doing what God said to do. There's no risk in acting on, on God's word. It's not a risk. So when God tells you the what, God gives you the word, that's so you can engage in doing your part with the confidence. Okay, if I've done my part, if I position myself, if I, if I do the things that I need to do, then this is what God is going to do. I, I think we we need to be careful that we don't miss the significance of insignificant things. I tell you from from my experience, and I I I, I have a I have a pet peeve when people make their experiences in various areas the rule for everybody. Okay. One of the big ways I harp on that is, is in dating. There, there's no one set way in which two people become attracted to each other and end up married. Some of you, God told you who it was before you fell in love. Others of you, yeah, whatever. I, I made up my mind, God, please let her be the one. And thankfully, that's about the only thing in all my life he agreed with me on. <laughs> Everything else I've had to change to his way. I, you, you can't make, I don't, I don't believe we can make our experiences the standard for everybody in, in all kinds of ways. But, but then there are some principles that seem to apply in every situation. And, and my experience and what I've seen many times and many others is, you, you oftentimes do not realize the things that God is intentionally doing or the positions, the roles that God intentionally has you in that are part of a preparation for where He's taking you. And if you don't treat those seasons properly, what needs to be developed and what's a part of your preparation for, to get to where He's really trying to take you, you're not going to be ready. First Samuel seventeen thirty four. David said to Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear, and 
took a lamb out of the flock and I went out after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he rose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. You know what, you know what, you know what David, you know what that was that David was doing out there taking care of his sheep? He, he was at a base camp. He was climbing Everest and now it's time to be at a base camp because there's some things that need to adjust and develop and grow. There's some things that you need to uh, acclimatize yourself to. David wasn't sitting there when that bear and that lion showed up thinking, boy, I'm going to slay this lion and this bear so that when I get to to Saul, he didn't know he was going to stand before Saul. He didn't know that he didn't know what was coming after that. He was just simply taking advantage of the opportunities. To tell you something, before you ever slay giants in public, there's things God intends for you to slay in private. If all you're doing is sitting around waiting on your public giants, you're probably missing some lions and some bears that God is sending your way to slay, not only for your own development, but then when it comes time, He could look at Saul and say, I, you know, I, I, I may look like just a kid, but let me tell you something. I've had some experiences in some moments where nobody else was around, in some seasons that seemed to be insignificant. But God understood the significance. Oh, Jesus. First Samuel 17, 39, David girded his sword upon his armor and he essayed to go for he had not proved it. And David said unto Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not proved them and put them off. And he took his staff in his hand and chose him five smooth stones out of the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag, which he had even in a scrip. And his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. I, I, I'm assuming, I, don't, I tried to find it today to make sure, but I, I didn't see anything else. But I, I'm assuming David started using that sling when he was taking care of his sheep because there was no Instagram, there was no Facebook, there was no gaming systems to take out there to keep yourself occupied. And so rather than just sit there by himself with the sheep, I might as well do something. And so he starts becoming proficient with learning how to lo- use a sling. Again, God did not show up to David out there one day and say, Listen, David, I need you to learn how to use this sling because in a few years from now, I'm going to use you to slay a giant. I'm talking to somebody in the Holy Ghost tonight that you're missing. There's some things that God is intentionally doing and positions God has intentionally placed you in that you have no idea the significance of what that is training and preparing you for. I, 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 most of my life, it wasn't until just a few years ago, somebody shared a book with me and a result of that and then looking into this, I, I, I changed my perspective because pretty much all my life until about 
maybe 10 years ago, I was of the, I was of the, percept, the perspective that David and Goliath was one of the greatest sto- underdog stories of all time. Well, you want to talk about an underdog story, let's talk about David defeating Goliath, that young shepherd boy going out there with no armor and never been trained in battle and facing this giant, literal giant of a man and all of his strength and stature and ability, and David killed him. What a great underdog story. No, it was not. (laughs) Judges Chapter 20 and verse 16 says, Among all this people there were 700 chosen men, left-handed. Everyone could sling stones at a hair breath and not miss. The other thing I think I sort of, at least subconsciously, I think I kind of always... Imagine David going out there to face Goliath and, and he says, you come to me with a sword and a spear, but I come to you. And, and I, I just kind of envision him with his sling and a stone in it going, I come to you in the name of the Lord. Please let it. Wasn't it at all. David knew how to hit a target. He knew how within a hair's breadth, that, that spot that he hit on, Saul, on Goliath's head, it was not a lucky shot. Just like those guys knew how with their left hand. There's, a, there's another place where it talks about some men that are able to shoot with an arrow and use a sling. When David walked out there to face Goliath with his stone, with his, with his sling and those few stones, he was not walking out as an underdog. He was walking out there fully equipped and prepared to slay Goliath. But when did it start? Years before. Some of you want to walk out onto the battlefield with your sling and your stones never having used them and just start flipping around and hope it hits the target in Jesus' name. Don't miss the significance of places that God has had you or places that God has you. I've said this many times sitting in my office one-on-one, fussy with young adults. I don't know if I've ever really said it in a public setting like this, but, but, but I remember I, I became the principal of Antioch Christian School in 1996. I was At the time, I was going to college. I was at University of Maryland. I was getting a degree in business management, and, and I was principal of the school. I, was, I already had my ministerial license. I felt like I was called. I, I didn't necessarily know exactly what I was called to, but I believe. I was called into ministry, and, 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 and I had some peers at the time. In fact, somebody that's a good friend of mine still to this day, that at that same time that I was doing that, they were out traveling full-time evangelizing. Back in those days when I first became principal, if you know where Brother Yu's office is, and, and one side's Brother Yu's office, the other side's Mother Wright's office, Back in the day when all that was originally built, there was no wall separating those two. That was all one room. I remember sitting there as like a 25, 26-year-old kid. And you come in my office now, and it's got stuff all over the furniture and desks, and it fills up the space pretty well. Back then, it that didn't. I had the desk, and there's like this cave, cavern, whatever. I can remember days sitting at my desk, 
thinking, God, what in the world am I doing here? I, I'm called to preach. I got friends that are out preaching every weekend. Their calendars are filled up, and I'm, I'm principal of this school, and I'm going to secular college, and what in the world? Finally, about probably 10, 12 years ago, one day light bulbs all of a sudden started going off. And I've told this privately. I don't know if you ever told it public, and I won't give any indication of names at all to protect. I don't know that they were innocent. So. <laughs> For years, my office was the one at the bottom of the stairs. Back then, I remember I was counseling a couple. Been married a long time. Probably had been married almost twice as long as I had been at that time. They had teenage young adult kids going through major issues. <laughs> and I was supposed to be trying to counsel. What in the world? And it had gotten really bad and some things had happened and I'm sitting in the office with him one day and I'm sitting there and the wife tells her story and then the husband tells his story and they're completely different. <laughs> And it was almost like this out-of-body experience because all of a sudden, I really wasn't listening to them, and I was thinking, I, I've been here before. I, I've been here before, except when I was here before, it was, it was because Sister Truss or uh, probably some other... ACS teachers that worked with me back then, but it was because some two 10, 12 year, 10 or 12-year-olds had gotten in a fight out on the playground, and they brought them to my office because I'm the principal, and one kid tells one story, and another kid tells a whole different story, and I sat there that day with a married couple, which was way more serious than the discussion in my office, but I sat there, and all of a sudden, light bulbs begin to go off on all, those ins all of those things that seemed insignificant, but God knew. Some of you, I don't want to mess with no sling. I want, I want armor. I want armor. I don't. Who wants a sling? I want armor. You, 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 that that sling might have something to do with. If you don't learn to use it, you're not going to be prepared for what he's called you for. first time, the first time, if I'm not mistaken, the first time we see Joshua mentioned is in Exodus 17. And that's when Moses instructs him to lead the children of Israel into the first battle after coming out of Egypt. The next time that we see him mentioned, I believe it's, uh, no, it's not here yet, but I want you to notice this. So 17, Moses instructs him to lead the battle. 19, and the Lord said unto Moses, Go unto the people and sanctify them today and tomorrow, and let them wash their clothes. 
And be ready against the third day, for the, for the third day the Lord will come down in the sight of all the people upon Mount Sinai, and thou shalt set bounds unto the people round about, saying, Take heed to yourselves that you go not up into the mount or touch the border of it. Whosoever toucheth the mount shall be surely put to death. There shall not an hand touch it, but he shall surely be stoned or shot through, whether it be beast or man, it shall not live. When the trumpet soundeth long, they shall come up the mount. So, so Moses is getting ready to go up into the mountain and fellowship with the Lord, and, and the Lord says, you, you, need to, you need to draw a border around the mountain because any, any, anybody, human or animal, that touches the mountain, they will die. Well, a couple of chapters later, chapter 24, and this this is the second time we find Joshua mentioned. In verse number 9, Then Moses, Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel went up into the mountain, and they saw the God of Israel under his feet. There seemed to be pavement of brilliant sapphire stones as clear as the heavens. I'm reading from the Living Bible. So in, 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 in chapter 19, God says, Moses, you go up and nobody else goes. Anybody that touches the mountain will die. But, but here, God gives Moses instruction, and because God gave Moses instruction, there, there, there's several men that get to go on to the mountain. But watch this. Yet, even though the elders saw God, he did not destroy them, and they had a meal together before the Lord. And the Lord said to Moses, so again, touch the mountain, you die. God says, you take these guys with you, they can go. But, but now, he says, come up further. Come up into the mountain and remain until I give you the laws and commandments I have written on tables of stone so that you can teach the people from them. So Moses and Joshua, his assistant, went up into the mountain of God. We, we know who Aaron is. We know his role, his significance. But even but but he and these elders, these other men, these elders, they, they got to go on the mountain, but only so far. But then God takes Moses further and and, and Moses takes Joshua his assistant. Now the, the I think that the living Bible says his assistant, the King James says his minister. And the Hebrew word for minister means basically servant. Aaron the high priest only got to go so far on the mountain. Joshua, Moses, servant, minister, assistant, got to go farther than the rest of them. I just... There's certain things I don't want to become known as. I've been called to more than that. I don't want this or that to become my identity. I I don't know if I want to become a deacon because I might get stuck as a deacon. I I don't know if I want to get involved in this ministry or that ministry because I, I don't want that to become my identity. First of all, who gave you permission to determine your identity? 
But you know what's really interesting? Look at this in Joshua chapter 1. This is this first chapter, first verse. Now is the beginning of Joshua's time to lead. Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, <laughs> saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. What would have happened if Moses, or excuse me, if Joshua would have decided somewhere throughout the book of Exodus? You know what? If I get known as Moses' servant, I might just get stuck here. And everybody, all they may see me as is Moses' servant. And I may never be able to rise to prominence and greatness if I get stuck with the title of Moses' servant. Well, guess who it was? When it's time for Moses' replacement to take over. Moses' servant. The one who for years had insignificantly served Moses. Yet God was preparing him. Training, equipping, positioning I believe with all of my heart that when Moses gets up before the congregation of Israel shortly before he dies and blesses Joshua and, 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 and indicates that he's the one that's about to lead them, I, I, I don't think anybody sat there and went, What? Are you kidding me, Joshua? I didn't see that coming. I, I, I really believe that most people were like, Yeah. Of course, we saw that coming. We've watched him serve. We've watched him follow you. We've watched him be faithful. We've watched him be willing to do the insignificant things that you were using those things to prepare him for other things. I'm really sorry, Nathaniel. I feel like we're on like a consecutive services streak right now. I'm, I'm trying to break the streak. We, 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 I, I don't, I, I don't. This is, let me tell you the way I pastor. It's not my job to figure out the will of God for you. I thought I'd get more amens than that, but I guess maybe some of you are disappointed. You were counting on me. I, no. Uh, are you kidding? I got enough trouble finding it out for myself. I ain't trying to. I, I don't, I, I'm not, I, I, I'm just telling you the way I operate, and if I'm wrong, then God needs to fix it. But I, I don't believe it's my job to go around telling you what you're called to do. I do believe I have a role in helping to affirm that. But I don't believe it's my role to call you. Because when you get into your calling and everything God calls, whatever God calls you to is going to have its ups and downs. It's not going to be you believing what I said that's going to get you through. 
It's not, well, pastor said I was... No, what's going to get you through is when you dig down inside and you know God called me. Others may have confirmed it, but God called me. And I know it's going to work out because God called me. So that segue to come back to... I, 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 even as his dad, I don't, I don't presume that I know what God's called Nathaniel to. I believe with all of my heart he's got a calling on his life. And I, I don't necessarily think that his calling has to do, ultimate calling has to do with the keyboard and worship leading and whatever. But we've had a few conversations What an amazing opportunity. We've heard brother, many of us have heard brother Grossbach talk about sitting in services and sitting in services and intentionally trying to learn to be sensitive to the flow of the spirit and, and, and be in step. And, and, and then when Bishop does something, he's like, he was right there. He saw it coming. Well, you want to talk about a place to learn to flow. I want to talk about a place to learn how to get in tune with the Spirit. Some of you may, God may currently have you in something, or God may at some point in the near future or in the future lead you into something that maybe it is not your ultimate calling. but maybe it is a part of the preparation so you can climb Everest. And maybe it's your base camp for a little while that God's taken you to a new place, to another level, and you've got to learn to make some adjustments and there's some things that need to grow and develop in you so that God can eventually take you to the next level. What an amazing... As as the one here at Antioch Central, the majority of the time responsible for leading a service and many times being the one preaching, what an amazing thing! When and, and I've said it before, there are there are services in which the the direction the worship team goes and the direction that I go are complete opposites, and it's all God. Oftentimes it's because there's a balance that's needed. Worship is sweet and encouraging and uplifting, and then there comes the preaching. Man, I, I, I absolutely love those times. And it's just all this synchronized instep. I'm in the pulpit and I'm feeling something and, and, and I'm, I'm trying to listen also. And next thing I know, I, I hear what's going on on the keyboard. I hear the song that's starting to be played and, and it's, it's right there. It's the next step. I, I, I don't think Nathaniel is probably called to be a worship leader for the rest of his life. Of course, I got a question. Is there something wrong with that? <laughs> Mother Wright spent 35 years as the worship leader, and that was okay with everybody for her to be the worship leader called to be that. But now, I don't know about worship and music. I'm just going to tell you, oh, I don't need to get off on this right now. But I have a, I've got an issue with some of the attitude that's developed towards worship and singing and the worship team and whatever. <laughs> I forget which prophet it was, but before he prophesied, he called for a minstrel. He called for a musician. 
and the musician came and helped get the atmosphere so that the word could then be spoken. Forty years or so, give or take, or not give, but take maybe a few less for for several years, I'll rephrase it. Several years, Moses, or excuse me, Joshua, had become known as Moses' minister. But it was all preparation for Joshua to become the next leader. I don't mean to be unkind. Most of you weren't there and you don't know who it was. And those of you that were there and you know, I charge you to not tell. Doesn't that sound very biblical? I charge you. There, there was, there was a, a message at Youth Congress one night this, this past year, and it was all about that God was going to be calling people to their fivefold gifting and office. Great man of God, powerful man of God, built a, has pastored a great church. Well, I, again, I'm not. I think the, the pattern, more, the more common pattern is not God telling you, you are going to be an apostle. The more common pattern is you do the job. You fulfill the role in the ministry. And it's almost as if one day you wake up and go, oh, I, 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 you know, I went, Brother Wright, when did God call you to pastor? When, when did you get called to, to be the pastor of Antioch? When, when did that happen? I, it, I, it never happened. I, I just did my best to, 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 to do whatever God put in my, in my lap to do, whatever role. I, I, I spent a couple of months in Brazil on AIM, and, and, and I get home, and Bishop says, I, I, I feel like you're, you need to be the, the youth pastor. Oh, okay, yes, sir. I'll, I, I, I better be careful. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you something. Boy, this, there, there was a day, and I, I know some will take this to another extreme and a tangent and all that church hurt, abuse, authority, whatever, but, but, but there was a day in which when your pastor said something, the response wasn't, I'll pray about it. I'm not God. I know I'm not. I'm just as much of a human as anybody else is. I'm not talking about a man. I'm talking about an office. It blows my mind the number of times in the last several years where I, I felt like I felt something pretty strongly. And, I, and that, well, I'll, I'll pray about that. Okay, you do that. And then especially when it's, you know what, I just don't think that power. Okay, well, one of us is missing God. <laughs> I, I may have gotten in a little bit of flesh there because I can't remember where I was. <laughs> oh, I, I know where I was. I, 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 I never had a moment in which God told me, you are going to be the pastor at Antioch one day. Never happened. Never happened. 
youth pastor for about seven years, and the next thing I know, Bishop says, I, I believe you're supposed to become co-pastor as well. Mother Wright was also co You're supposed to become co-pastor. Yes, sir. Okay. 1998 got ordained as co-pastor. About another seven years later, I believe you're supposed to become senior pastor. I'll become bishop. Okay. Yes, sir. I, I'm, I'm sorry, but I think I have example after example of men and women of God that God did not tell them in advance the specifics. And, and then the funny thing was, when he did tell them something, they had no idea what they were about to face. I mean, I think if Joseph had it to do over again, he probably would not have, he would have hidden it in his heart. Was that Mary or Joseph? Which one? He would, have, he would have woken up that morning after them dreams and went, yeah, that'll stay between you and me, God. Because if he'd have known the path he was going to have to walk, he probably wouldn't have wanted to. So, you know, as, as my wife said to me months ago now, riding along in the car, well, my pastor said, God gives you a word, it's because you're going to need it. If God does give you some specifics, oh, I feel sorry for you. Because if he's really giving you some specifics well in advance, it's because you're going to go through so much to get there. You need something to hold on to. <laughs> I, 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 I'm, I'm going I'm to try to close with this. Okay, Man, I, I, this, we, we're in a, you, you've seen it. Most of you have. Well, people are quick to tell you what they are. What I'm, a, I'm apostle so and so. I'm prophet so and so. Nice to meet you. If anybody, if anybody had a right to use a title besides Jesus, and he made himself of no reputation. If, anybody, if any other human had a right to use a title, in my opinion, Paul had a right to use a title. But read what he says in the first couple of verses of Romans 1. As he's addressing the church at Rome, he identifies himself as a servant. You know why people get stuck in ministries and aren't willing to pass the baton to the next leader and the next generation? Because they have become, they've become wrapped up in the, in the title and the position. They're not a servant. If I'm a servant, as long as God wants me in a role or a position, I'm going to do it. But as a servant, when it's time and God decides it's time for somebody else, I'm going to let go of the baton because I don't own this. I'm a servant. Paul said he was a servant called to be. Well, our world's got it flipped upside down. They'll tell you they're an apostle and they have been called to be served. The, the more prominent your title is, the, the bigger your posse is, the bigger your entourage is. I've sat in rooms at, at settings, non-apostolic, 
setting, basically, where I felt so embarrassed because I was sitting there all by myself. As I watched pastors, bishops walk in with guys holding their Bible and their cell phone and all this stuff. And Paul said, I'm a, I'm a servant. Called to be. I'll, I'll fulfill that role, but if you want to know who I am, if you want to know what I think I am, I am a, a servant. I don't care who you are. I don't care how long you've been walking with God. I don't care how long you've been in ministry. I don't care how much fruit you've had in ministry. I can say with absolute confidence, God has more I don't care how old you are. I don't care if you're at the later years of your life. God has more. But it's not going to happen by default. You're going to have to make some choices. You're going to have to invest in the preparation. You're going you're gonna to have to submit to the, to the, to the guides. Not only him as the guide, but others that are placed in our lives. I want you to do me a favor, if you would, and just just right where you're sitting, just for a moment. Again, as we, I, I, I feel like sometimes with some stuff, I talk out of both sides of my mouth. So just so you know, I feel that way about myself. Is and one of those things is New Year's. I, New Year's and. January 1, nothing's magical, but at the same time, there is some psychological, fresh, new whatever. So, Since we are first Thursday night, beginning of the year, would you, just, would you take a few moments right now? and maybe, maybe there's some things, maybe the Lord's already been dealing with you about, or or maybe this evening as I've been ministering, there's some things the Lord has dealt with you about that, that you need to go ahead and make the commitment, God, this is, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to commit to this. I'm going to commit to another level of prayer, to another level of study, another level of equipping and, and making myself available to be equipped. Or, and, or maybe, maybe you're sitting here and, and there's nothing specific you felt yet, but then why don't you, if it's your desire, why don't you, why don't you just, could you take a few moments right now? God, whatever it is I need to do as, as, as intentional preparation to, 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 to climb Everest, to, to, to ascend to the next base camp so that I can get closer to the calling, to the purpose, then show me those things, God, and, 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 and guide me. Let me know what it is, and by your grace, help me to do those things. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, Father, help us tonight. Lord, I believe that all over this sanctuary tonight, in fact, Lord, I, I believe I could say that every, every individual, every teenager and up, God, every Holy Ghost filled person in this room tonight, there, there are some desires. There may be varying levels of intensity of those desires, but every Holy Ghost-filled person in this room tonight has some desires to go higher, to go deeper, to be used in a greater measure than ever before. So I pray that you would, you would talk to us, you would guide us, you would lead us. 
that God, not only would you be the guide that we need to help equip and train and prepare, but, but that you would use others and maybe it's people we already have relationships with or connections with or Lord, maybe there's some other people you're bringing into our lives that you're going to use as a, as a voice. Maybe it's just for a season, but you're going to use them as a voice of helping us to prepare and, and, and become more ready to go to that next level. In the name of Jesus. Lord, if you've called us to just be Moses' minister and that seems insignificant in the moment, we, we don't understand the full, uh, the, the, the full scope of where that's leading. Help us to be willing to, to, to serve, to give of ourselves in whatever role, whatever position, whatever place that you've placed us. Because God, you know the things in our future that you are preparing us for. You, you know the, 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 the ministry and the callings that, you've, that you are equipping us to be able to have them fulfilled in our lives. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Ikarabo satala mandorobo shatala bahaya. Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary with thanksgiving, Lord. I'll be a living sanctuary. Lord, I'm asking you to prepare me, but I'm also asking you by your grace, help me to do what I need to do to prepare, Lord, for, for whatever the next thing is, the next role of ministry, the next, the next position you may place me in, the next calling that you may have for me, God. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, praise God, praise God. I, I, I'm encouraging you, would, would you intentionally, would you intentionally come these next three services with a, with a focus, with an expectation of God speaking to you individually, speaking to us as a congregation collectively. In Jesus' name, praise God. God bless you. Thank you for being here tonight. In Jesus' name.